بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم سورة فاطر سورة فاطر is a مكي سورة and سورة فاطر is also known as سورة الملائكة because there is the mention of the name of Allah or the attribute of Allah فاطر as well as the malaika in the first ayah right at the beginning of the surah the surah is makki it has 45 verses over 900 words and over 3000 huruf the theme of the surah is very similar to that of surah saba an invitation to reflect on oneself the reality of this life and recognize the creator recognize his messenger and accept the truth and follow it the surah it begins with bismillahir rahmanir rahim alhamdulillah all praise is due to allah all praise is for who allah subhanahu wa ta'ala the surah begins with alhamdulillah and many other surahs of the quran also begin with alhamdulillah the surahs of the quran they have a very unique beginning style some surahs they begin with the glorification of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Like for example, some surahs begin with Alhamdulillah by means of praising Allah or by attributing names and attributes of perfection. Like for example, Surah Fatiha begins with Alhamdulillah. Surah Mulk begins with Tabarakalladi. Surah Furqan also begins with Tabarakalladi. Right? Or for example, Tasbih is mentioned. Sabbahalillahi. Right? يُسَبِّحُ لِلَّهِ سَبِّحِ اسْمَ رَبِّكَ الْأَعْلَى سُبْحَانَ الَّذِي أَسْرَى بِعَبْدِهِ So there are 14 surahs in the Qur'an that begin with Allah's glorification and praise. 14 surahs of the Qur'an begin in the style. And this is basically a lesson for us and a reminder for us that all praise is really for who? It is indeed for Allah. Because when is it that you praise someone? When you recognize their favors and their qualities. And gratitude, shukr, is basically praising Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And shukr is what leads to ibadah. It is what leads to worship. Because how can a person worship Allah if he does not recognize that Allah is the greatest benefactor? That Allah is the one who has given unlimited blessing, who has shown unlimited favors. So Alhamdulillah, all praise is due to who? Allah. Who is Allah? فَاطِرِ السَّمَاوَاتِ وَالْأَرْضِ The creator of the heavens and the earth. فَاطِر Who is فَاطِر? One who? فَطَرَ And فَطَرَ is to create. But literally the word فَطَرَ, if you go deeper in its meaning, فَطَرَ is to tear apart. Right? So he has created the creation by what means? By means of separation. Separating one entity from another. And if you think about it, just look at your blood even, right? If you study blood, then what do we see? If our bodies are made with what? Cells. And cells, what happens to them? They split. So he is the fatir, the creator of as-samawati wal-ard, of the heavens and the earth. And of course, whatever is within them also. He is the creator of the sky, he is the creator of the earth. Ja'il al-mala'ika. Ja'il, one who has ja'ala, one who has made al-mala'ika, the angels. Ja'al is to make 
to set something, to appoint something for a specific purpose. It's one of the meanings of the word ja'al. So ja'il al-mala'ika, he's the maker of the angels, meaning he has appointed them, he has created them for a specific role. And what is that role? Rusulan. As rusul, as messengers. Rusul is the plural of rasul. So Allah has also made angels, and these angels are made as messengers. Messengers in what way? Who is a rasul? A messenger is one who takes the message and delivers it to somebody else. Right? That is a rasul. In Surah Al-Hajj, Ayah 75, Allah says, Allahu yastafi min al-malaikati rusulan wa min al-nas. Allah chooses among the angels messengers and also among people. So Allah has made some angels messengers. Why? To convey His messages to prophets. Like for example, Jibreel is who? Rasul. Right? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala appointed Jibreel to take the Qur'an to Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And also the angels are messengers in the sense that they carry out the commands of Allah. They deliver it, meaning they bring it, they execute it. They bring it to its conclusion. Allah commands and they execute the commands of Allah. Like for example in the Quran we learn, فَالْمُدَبِّرَاتِ amra That those who carry out the commands. Which commands? The commands of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. In Surah Al-An'am ayah 61, it is mentioned, حَتَّى إِذَا جَاءَ أَحَدَكُمُ الْمَوْتِ تَوَفَّتْهُ رُسُلُنَا وَهُمْ لَا يُفَرِّطُونَ When one of you, when the time of his death comes, then our messengers take him. Meaning the angel of death. Right? They take the soul. And why are they called rusul? Because they have been sent with a certain task in order to execute it, in order to carry it out. So, جَاعِلِ الْمَلَائِكَةِ Rusulan. Allah has made the angels messengers. What are the two meanings of messengers? What are the two meanings that I told you? First is, deliver messages to who? Prophets. And the second meaning is, carry out, execute His commands. And these angels, Allah has made them uli ajnihatin. Uli possessors, meaning ones having. Uli is another form of ulu. Alright? Ulul albab. Remember? Ulul albab. What does ulul albab mean? Possessors of intellect. So uli is another form of that. So these angels are possessors of ajniha. Ajniha, plural of the word janah. Wings. These angels have wings. Now wings, if you think about it, wings, sometimes they look very soft and delicate, right? It may be perceived as a symbol of weakness. But no, wings, if you think about it, for many birds, wings are a means of strength. Isn't it? A means of speed, movement. Correct? So, uli ajnihatin, Allah has made the angels with wings. What does it show? That angels fly. And they fly swiftly. And they're strong. So they are faster than the jinn also. When we think of different creations, we think that the jinn are very powerful. Right? This is why we have an extreme fear of the jinn. But what we see is that the angels are stronger, mightier than the jinn. Like for example, in the story of Sulaiman a.s. What do we see? That Ifrit min al-jinn, he said, I'll get you the throne by this time. 
And the one who was given knowledge, and according to many, it was actually Angel Jibreel, he said, I will bring it to you much faster. So angels, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has created them with wings, and their wings are a means of movement, swiftness, strength, power for them. And these wings, Allah says they are mathna, in pairs of two. Wathulatha, and in pairs or in sets of three. Waruba, and in sets of four. Some angels have only two wings. Alright? Some have three sets. Three as in two, two, two. How many would that be? Six. And some have four. How many would that be? Eight. Alright? So in pairs of two, three, and four. Yazidu. Yazidu. He increases. Fil khalqi in the creation. Ma yasha, whatever he wills. Meaning, some angels are created with even more wings. He can add to that creation as much as he wants. The creation of what? The creation of their wings. So for example, Jibreel was seen by the Prophet ﷺ. And Jibreel had how many wings? 600 wings covering the entire horizon. And between each pair of wings was a distance like that of the east and the west. This is why in Surah Al-Najm, ayah 5 to 7, we learn, عَلَّمَهُ شَدِيدُ الْقُوَى Angel Jibreel is described as شَدِيدُ الْقُوَى Intense in power. ذُو مِرَّةٍ فَاسْتَوَى One of soundness, and he rose to his true form. 600 wings. يَزِيدُ فِي الْخَلْقِ مَا يَشَاءُ إِنَّ اللَّهَ Indeed Allah, عَلَى كُلِّ شَيْءٍ قَدِيرٍ Over everything, he is competent. He can create whatever he wants for a role for a task that he wants. What do we see in this ayah? Alhamdulillah, all praise is for Allah. Why? Why not? Because He is the creator of everything that you see. Amazing creation. And one example of creation is given over here, and that is of the angels. That within the angels also, so much variety. So what do we see? That within the creation also there is variation. One has been given more than the other. Abdullah bin Mas'ud radiallahu anhu, he said that the Prophet saw Jibreel in his true form having 600 wings. So, Yazira fil khalqi ma yasha. If the angels, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala can create Jibreel so powerful, then what do you think about the Creator? If you are in awe of the creation, then you ought to be in awe of the creator of that creation. Because remember the surah is Makki. And the mushrikeen, they had some baseless beliefs about the angels. They used to think that the angels are Allah's daughters or that they deserve worship. What does this ayah show? That no, the angels are Allah's creation. And if the creation of the angels impresses you, then in reality you should be impressed by who? The creator of the angels. And this is why, Alhamdulillah, all worship is only for who? For Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. One thing about the wings of the angels, since they are mentioned over here, remember that the wings of the angels are not like those of birds. Okay? As in weak and feathery and soft. No, they are very, very strong. One example, in Bukhari we learn that the Prophet ﷺ, when he went for Isra, then what happened? The angel Jibreel pointed at the rock with his wing. And what happened? It broke into two. 
another hadith we learn about the story of Hajar. Alright, the story of Hajar. What happened? That Hajar, when she was running from Safa to Marwa, looking for water, and when she came, she saw an angel at the place of Zamzam, digging the earth with his heel or his wing. So the angel was digging the earth with what? With his wing. And what happened? Water gushed out of that place. When we think of wings, we think delicate, soft, weakness. But for angels, it is? What is it? It is strength. So Alhamdulillah, Allah says, مَا يَفْتَحِ اللَّهُ مَا whatever. مَا يَفْتَحِ اللَّهُ Whatever that Allah opens, لِلنَّاسِ for people, مِنْ رَحْمَةٍ of any mercy. Then, فَلَا then not مُمْسِكَ لَهَا One who can, one who can, what's mumsik? From imsak. One who can, hold it back. One who can, what is imsak? Not let go, to restrain, to retain. So basically, no one can withhold it. Yaftahi. Yaftahi is from fataha. Fataha is to open. Open what? Something that was previously closed. So if Allah opens a door for people, an opportunity for them, and that results in some mercy for them. And what is mercy? Kindness, ease, removal of difficulty. And rahmah can be both hissi or ma'nawi. Hissi as in physical, tangible, and ma'nawi as in intangible. Hissi ni'mah or hissi rahmah, physical form of this rahmah is what? Like for example, rain. Rain has been called rahmah in the Qur'an. Right? Likewise we see for ma'nawi, intangible, like for instance knowledge. In the Quran it is said about Khadr that Atainahu Rahmatam min Indina. We had given him a special mercy from us. And what is that special mercy? It's knowledge. Quran is also described as Hudan wa Rahmatan Lil Muhsinin. So if Allah decides to open a door for the people so that they get some mercy, whether it is tangible or intangible whether it is in the form of receiving a favor, or it is in the form of some ease, facilitation, removal of difficulty, then فَلَا مُمْسِكَ لَهَا Allah says, no one at all can withhold it. Mumsik from the word imsak. Meme seen kaf. Imsak is to retain, grasp, withhold, not let go. Mumsik is one who withholds. So if Allah opens what is closed for people, no one can stop it. If Allah sends something good for people, then no one can stop it. وَمَا يُمْسِكْ And that which He withholds of Rahmah, then فَلَا then not مُرْسِلَ لَهُ One who can send it مِنْ بَعْدِهِ after him. مُرْسِل is one who sends. رَاسِينْ لَامْ Risl is basically to walk slowly and gently. And irsal is to set free. Mursil, one who sets free, one who sends. If Allah withholds something, no one can release it after Him. Wahu al Azizul Hakim, and He is the exalted in might, 
the one whose way prevails, and he is the wise in what he does, placing things where they belong. What's the message of this ayah? That whatever Allah wills, happens. And whatever He does not will, can never happen. This is why we see this statement is reiterated in salah and also after salah. After salah, what do we say? Allahumma la mani'a lima a'tayta. Wa la mu'tiya lima mana'ta. Right? Wa la yanfa'u dal jaddi min kal jadd. The Prophet ﷺ would say this after finishing the prayer. But even in the prayer, he would say this. When? Does anybody know? When would he say it? It's a part of a dua. After rukur. When you get up from rukur, before sajda, the Prophet ﷺ would say, سَمِعَ اللَّهُ لِمَنْ حَمِدَهُ اللَّهُمَّ رَبَّنَا لَكَ الْحَمْدُ مِلْءُ السَّمَاوَاتُ وَالْأَرْضُ وَمِلْءُ مَا شِئْتَ مِنْ شَيْءٍ بَعْدُ اللَّهُمَّ أَهْلَ الثَّنَاءِ وَالْمَجْدُ أَحَقُّ مَا قَالَ الْعَبْدُ وَكُلُّنَا لَكَ الْعَبْدُ اللَّهُمَّ لَا مَانِعَ لِمَا أَعْطَيْتَ وَلَا مُعْطِيَ لِمَا مَنَعْتَ وَلَا يَنْفَعُ ذَا الْجَدِّ مِنْكَ الْجَدِّ That, O oh Allah, no one can stop what you give and no one can give what you prevent. And this is the message of this ayah. If Allah decides to give something, no one can prevent it. In Surah Fath, ayah 11 also, Allah says, قُلْ فَمَنْ يَمْلِكُ لَكُمْ مِنَ اللَّهِ شَيْئًا إِنْ أَرَادَ بِكُمْ ضَرًّا أَوْ أَرَادَ بِكُمْ نَفْعًا If Allah intends something bad or good for you, who has power over that? Who can prevent Allah from giving you what He wants to give you? In Surah Yunus, ayah 107 also, Allah says, وَإِن يَمْسَسْكَ اللَّهُ بِضُرٍ فَلَا كَاشِفَ لَهُ إِلَّهُ If Allah afflicts you with some harm, no one can remove it except Him. وَإِن يُرِدْكَ بِخَيْرٍ فَلَا رَادَّ لِفَضْلِهِ And if He intends something good for you, no one can repel it. So whenever you fear, whenever you worry about what's gonna happen, what if I don't get this, what if I lose it, remember, it's all in whose control? In Allah's control. Because if He decides to send something your way, nothing at all can prevent it from reaching you. And if He decides to keep something away from you, then nothing at all can make you get it. All power rests with who? With Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. He can open the door and He can close it. The door of opportunity, the door of rahmah. And if He facilitates something for us, no one can prevent. So the real strength is with who? With Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. This is why Allah says, Ya ayyuhan nas, O mankind, udhkuru ni'matallahi alaykum. Remember Allah's favor upon you. What fear do you have? Why do you worry? Remember the blessings of Allah. Don't be ungrateful. Udhkuru ni'matallahi alaykum. Remember Allah's blessing on you. Hal is min khaliqin any creator ghayrullah besides Allah that yarzukukum who provides you min as-sama'i wal-ard from the sky and the earth is there any creator other than Allah who provides for you from above you and from below you la ilaha illahu the fact is that there is no god except him fa anna tu'fakun then how are you deluded tu'fakun hamza fa kaf if to turn something from its original direction, how and from where and why do you get turned away from Allah? Meaning when you know that Allah is the provider, Allah is the creator, then why do you deny? When you know that all power rests with Allah, 
Then why do you turn away from Allah? Why aren't you grateful? Why are you ungrateful? Why don't you have hope in Allah? So in this ayah, what are we being taught? Remember the blessing that your Lord has given you. Which blessing? Which blessing? Which ni'mah is this? It's difficult to point to just one ni'mah because there's so many ni'mas. وَإِن تَعُدُّوا نِعْمَةَ اللَّهِ لَا تُحْصُوهَا Because if you start counting the blessings of Allah, you cannot enumerate them. So realize, He is your God. He provides you from above and below. Are His blessings not evident? فَأَنَّا تُؤْفَكُونَ No one else provides you. Then why do you deny Him? And why do you deny His Messenger? In Surah Al-Mulk, Ayah 21, Allah says, أَمَّنْ هَذَا الَّذِي يَرْزُقُكُمْ إِنْ أَمْسَكَ رِزْقَ Who can provide you if Allah withholds His provision? If Allah decides no rain, no snow, who can bring that snow? Who can bring that rain? Nobody can. Isn't it? It's all in Allah's control. Don't you realize how dependent you are on Him? Don't you see His blessings, His favors upon you? Then why do you turn away from Him? in and if. Now the Prophet ﷺ is addressed. Because in the previous ayah, people were being invited. Reflect and think. Realize who your Creator is and surrender to Him. But what was the reaction of the people of Makkah? Denying the Prophet ﷺ. So the Prophet ﷺ is comforted. وَإِن يُكَذِّبُوكَ And if they deny you, فَقَدْ Then in fact, كُذِّبَتْ رُسُلٌ مِّنْ قَبْلِكَ Messengers were denied before you also. So you need to be steadfast, just as they were steadfast. وَإِلَى اللَّهِ And to Allah, تُرْجَعُ الْأُمُورِ All matters shall be returned. So what is being said to you is not something new. Similar things were said to the messengers before you also. People deny you, people denied the previous prophets also. The problem then is not in the truth. The problem is with who? With the people who deny. In Surah Fussilat, Ayah 43, it is said, مَا يُقَالُ لَكَ إِلَّا مَا قَدْ قِيلَ لِلرُّسُلِ مِنْ قَبْلِكَ Nothing is being said to you except that it was said to the messengers before you. Ya ayyuhan nas, Allah addresses people directly. O mankind, inna wa'dallahi haqq. Indeed, the promise of Allah is true. At the end of the previous surah also, surah Sabah, what was being emphasized? What was being clarified? The reality of the day of judgment. This is an undeniable reality. And if you live in doubt, it's not gonna get you anywhere. It's not going to help at all. So realize that the promise of Allah is true. Resurrection is true. Judgment is true. Reward is true. Punishment is true. Fala, So do not, let not, تَغُرَّنَّكُمْ It at all delude you. Do not at any cost, let this deceive you. What? الْحَيَاةُ dunya, The life of this world. Do not let the worldly life deceive you. تَغُرَّنَّكُمْ غَيْنْ رَا رَا غُرُور What does غُرُور mean? Deception. To deceive someone. Meaning someone's trying to do their work, trying to get somewhere, and they're tricked. They're tricked away from their work. So لَا تَغُرَّنَّكُمُ الْحَيَاةُ dunya. The life of this world should not deceive you. Deceive you from what? About what? About Allah's promise. And what is that promise? The hereafter. Meaning do not let this life 
deceive you from preparing for the hereafter, from believing in the hereafter. How does the life of this world deceive us from the hereafter? Sometimes a whole day goes by and we don't even think about death once. We don't even think about the afterlife once. Why? Because we got so busy in getting up and getting ready and having our breakfast and going to work and it just got us involved so much that we didn't even have a moment in which we could think about death. Even in salah. Because in salah, what is you know on our minds? It's the dunya. Isn't it? So do not let this life deceive you. This life is temporary. Don't begin to think that this is everything. وَلَا يَغُرَّنَّكُمْ And do not let him deceive you at all. بِاللَّهِ About Allah. Who, who should not deceive you about Allah at all? الْغَرُور The deceiver. Who is this deceiver? Shaytan. So don't ruin your akhirah by preferring this dunya. By getting distracted by this dunya. Do not let the temporary attractions of this world distract you from what is everlasting, from what is eternal. Because many times, if you think about it, when we do something wrong, right, something that clearly goes against Allah's orders, why are we doing that? Because we want dunya now. We want it now. We want to enjoy now. We want to have fun now. It's this urgency that we have. So, this is the deception of this worldly life. That if you don't have it now, you'll be deprived forever. Whereas the reality is that this world is a prison for the believer. It's a prison. What does it mean? You can't have it all in this world. You have to focus on what? On the hereafter. And remember that as your goal. Remember that as your goal. But what happens is that in this life, when we want to enjoy and we can't have it all, we think, oh, it's okay. You know, Enjoy a little bit. It's okay. Let go. It's okay. Allah is ghafoorur rahim. But how could we prefer what is temporary over what is eternal? That would be foolishness. The other day I was at a restaurant with my husband. Okay, It's very rare that just the two of us can go out to eat. And um, I was trying to eat and what happened that Alhamdulillah found a good spot where I could you know, face the wall and easily take my naqab off and eat. What happened? This person came and sat right next to us on a table. And another person came and sat right next to us. So both the men, you know, they were facing me now. So there was no way that I could hide. You know, sometimes we position ourselves in such a way, you know, I'll sit on my side and, you know, somehow manage to eat. But I got so frustrated. So basically we just packed up the food, went in the car and ate. Okay, so that because it was a burger, it was I didn't want my hijab getting dirty, so I thought it's just easiest to just go in the car and eat. You know, it was difficult. It was difficult. And shaitan is after every single one of us. Isn't he? And these are the times when you think, Oh, come on. Take it easy. What's the big deal? So what if you take it off? And you know, so many people take it off. So many people leave it. It's okay. It's not fard. Right? There's those hadith where, you know, where women did not cover their faces. But I mean, the reason why I do it is because I think it's better. And if I've started something, I should continue it. Right? But when we face challenges in the way of Allah, then shaitan puts thoughts in your mind, take it easy, enjoy. This is just one example. There's so many times when this happens, when shaitan tempts you, take it easy, enjoy. 
This is the deception of this life. Allah warns us, لا تغرنكم الحياة الدنيا ولا يغرنكم بالله الغرور Because shaitan's ultimate goal is to deceive people about Allah. What's this deception that shaitan gives us about Allah? Go do whatever you want, Allah is ghafoor rahim Or another deception, no matter what you do, you can never please Allah. So you know what? Enjoy now. Allah will never forgive you anyway, so enjoy now. This is shaitan's thinking. This is what he thought. This is what he believed. He blamed Allah. He could have repented. He could have said sorry, but he chose to persist. So Allah warns us, do not get caught in the trap of shaitan and do not get caught in the trap of this world. Be on guard. I was thinking shaitan, you know, he likes to waste our time. And waste in the morning, you want to do adhkar, he reminds you something else. And then he makes you forget the adhkar. And then you want to read uh, Quran, he forgets you. He makes you forget to read Quran. That's the way he makes you all day forget Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. He do jihad with us to waste our time. We have to be careful. We have to do jihad with him. Yes. And you see, it's the worldly life and shaitan. So you wake up in the morning and you can sit and do your adhkar and we should. And what happens? The worldly life distracts us. Oh, you better go and get an early start in the kitchen so that, you know, or get an early start on getting ready so that you're on time. But what happens? Compromise your adhkar and still you end up getting late. Go ahead. I've seen many times that the fear of Allah is instilled in children so much by saying that if you don't do this, Allah Ta'ala will be angry. If you don't do this, you'll be punished by Him. But why why not encourage kids to do something because Allah Ta'ala will be happy with them? So it's just that the way you phrase things, it's the beliefs that later on they'll be instilled in the children. Yes. I remember I saw a child once and... Um, she was misbehaving as children do. I mean, it happens. So the mother, instead of reminding her very nicely, she said, you're listening to shaitan. And that girl, I say that to my kids also. I say that to myself also. But that girl, when she heard that, she just started crying as if she thought of shaitan like a monster literally that was out to get her. And if she's listening to shaitan, she said, I don't want to go to the fire. I don't want to go to hell. Crying, crying, crying. Something small. Something small. And so much fear was instilled in that child. This is not normal. It's not healthy. I mean, this is true. Shaitan is our enemy. This is true that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He is just. He is going to question us. But stay within the bounds. Because if we go beyond them, then this extreme mentality, this is also unhealthy. So, فَلَا تَغُرَّنَّكُمُ الْحَيَاةُ الدُّنْيَا وَلَا يَغُرَّنَّكُمْ بِاللَّهِ الْغَرُورِ Yes. Sometimes parents, they don't know, they're struggling with parenting. So they find the easy way. Yes. And they say, oh, that is um, guna or... Uh, just that. threaten with hellfire, threaten with sin. And if we just like in the first few years are so important, if we like really instill love of Allah in their hearts, and that is something that takes you all their life. Like there are stages for children. Like there are things that they need to know at an earlier age. Yes. And then other things they can learn later. Yes. In fact, I was in a mosque for a, a janazah prayer one time. And they had an Islamic school there too. So we could hear the teacher from there. And the teacher, the little kids who were like kindergartens, and she's trying to quiet them and she's saying, she's scaring them with shaitan. 
I mean, awareness should be there. Definitely tell children about shaitan, for sure. But don't instill in a fear. Give them love of Allah, love of Jannah. Because the deception of this life is that everything is made to look so beautiful and attractive. And children easily fall in love with these. Forget about children, we do. Right? But anytime something breaks, which definitely it will, remind them that perfection is in Jannah. Assalamu alaikum. That's exactly what I was thinking to talk about. My father, the one he make me like to wear hijab, I like to pray. He used to always talk to me about Jannah. Very rare he talked to us about hellfire. He used to tell us about Jannah. And I used to really imagine Jannah. I used to love Jannah. And that's the reason I become closer to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. May Allah have mercy on him. So there has to be this balance. You know, the prophets were sent as bringers of good news as well as warners. To seek refuge in shaitan. So, I mean, yeah. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Say a'udhu billah. Definitely. Say a'udhu billah. So, فَلَا الْحَيَاةُ Allah says, إِنَّ الشَّيْطَانَ Indeed the shaitan. Lakum for you, aduwun an enemy. He's an enemy to you, meaning someone who's actively opposed and hostile to you. He doesn't like you one bit. فَاتَّخِذُوهُ عَدُوَّا So you should take him as an enemy. He's out there to ruin you. What are you doing in return? In defense. Do you even recognize him as an enemy? فَاتَّخِذُوهُ عَدُوَّا Indeed only he calls حِزْبَهُ His party. His party as in people who listen to him, the jinn who obey him. He's only inviting them لِيَكُونُوا مِنْ أَصْحَابِ السَّعِيرِ So that they may be among the companions of the blaze. He's only calling his folks, his people, to the fire of hell. He's not going to reward them. He's not going to give them anything. So don't be in denial of this reality. What reality? That shaitan is your enemy. Take shaitan as your enemy. Deal with him the way you would deal with an enemy. And how is that? Defend yourself. Be on guard. Be careful against his attacks. Don't be deceived by him. If you know that somebody hates you, and they're suggesting you that you should do something, would you ever, ever listen to them? Never. If you know that somebody has even the slightest bias against you, and they're coming up and they're smiling, and they're trying to you know, suggest you with something, you would never accept it. Even if they say, why don't you have this serving of cake? You'd never take it. Because you don't like them. You take them as an enemy. So Allah is telling us, shaitan is your enemy. So take him as your enemy. In Surah Al-Kahf, Ayah 50, Allah says, أَفَتَتَّخِذُونَهُ وَذُرِّيَّتَهُ أَوْلِيَاءَ مِن دُونِي وَهُمْ لَكُمْ عَدُوهُ You're taking shaitan and his children as friends, when in reality they're enemy to you? In Surah Al-Hajj, Ayah 4, Allah says, كُتِبَ عَلَيْهِ أَنَّهُ مَنْ تَوَلَّاهُ فَأَنَّهُ يُضِلُّهُ وَيَهْدِيهِ إِلَىٰ عَذَابِ السَّعِيرِ It's prescribed that whoever will befriend shaitan, then shaitan will misguide him and will lead him to the punishment of burning. And that is what is mentioned in the next ayah, that الَّذِينَ كَفَرُوا لَهُمْ عَذَابٌ شَدِيدٌ Those who disbelieve for them is a severe punishment. Those who listen to shaitan. وَالَّذِينَ آمَنُوا وَعَمِلُوا الصَّالِحَاتِ لَهُمْ مَغْفِرَةٌ وَأَجْرٌ كَبِيرٌ And those who believe and do righteous deeds, for them is forgiveness and a great reward. A few more things about the tactics of shaitan, so that we recognize him as an enemy, and treat him as an enemy, inshaAllah. Recitation. Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. 
الحمد لله فاطر السماوات والارض جاعل الملائكه رسلا اولي اجنحه مثنى وثلاث ورباع يزيد في الخلق ما يشاء ان الله على كل شيء قدير ما يفتح الله للناس من رحمه فلا ممسك لها وما يمسك فلا مرسل له من بعده وهو العزيز الحكيم يا ايها الناس اذكروا نعمه الله عليكم هل من خالق غير الله يرزقكم من السماء والارض لا اله الا هو فانا تؤفكون وان يكذبوك فقد كذبت رسل من قبلك والى الله ترجع الامور يا ايها الناس ان وعد الله حق فَلَا تَغُرَّنَّكُمُ الْحَيَاةُ الدُّنْيَا وَلَا يَغُرَّنَّكُمْ بِاللَّهِ الْغَرُورِ إِنَّ الشَّيْطَانَ لَكُمْ عَدُوٌ فَاتَّخِذُوهُ عَدُوًا إِنَّمَا يَدْعُو حِزْبَهُ لِيَكُونُوا مِنْ أَصْحَابِ السَّعِيرِ الذين كفروا لهم عذاب شديد والذين امنوا وعملوا الصالحات لهم مغفره واجر كبير 